This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Before I introduce my guest today, I want to invite you to follow the podcast on Telegram. Just search for Mr. Productivity. Steve Robbins was the host of the Get It Done Guy podcast for 587 episodes, co-founder of three companies, investor or early team members of six more. He is also an avid Burning Man attendee public speaker and all-around geek. Stever first appeared on the show back in episode 780 on March 27th of this year. There will be a link to that in the show notes because it was an incredible episode. Stever, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, it's not too often that after I finish a guest interview that I say, you got to come back. I mean, we had such a dynamic conversation. Uh, folks, if you go back and listen to the first episode, we're going to talk about Mac versus PC. We're going to talk about his best productivity tip, predictive type, semantic priming, and AI. Now, we may touch on that a little bit, but we want you to go back to listen to the other episode. But before we started recording, we started talking about Chrome versus brave and i share with you because i don't like chrome i don't like anything google does because they're there's they're sniffing everything but i have a nerd cousin of mine danny who told me that chrome is built on the chromium operating system i said okay and he goes so is brave i'm like what's brave he says well chromium operating system google takes it puts all the tracking stuff on there brave makes it private and so I use brave and i i you told me you did before we started the show which is more privacy based so let's talk about Chromium and Brave, and then we'll get into the other topic that you were really hot on Twitter this morning about. <laughs> sure. Well, I can also say a little bit more because I think any discussion of Chromium and Brave should include a discussion of Firefox and Safari. And you know, the, the real the real question is how do we how do we tone down the surveillance state just a little bit? So my understanding, and I want to be very clear, I haven't looked into this in super great detail. But is the part of Chrome the, the the part of Chrome that Brave shares is the part that takes the HTML and displays it as a web page, and all that does is turn HTML and JavaScript and those things into executable code. The parts that do the tracking and the reporting back to Google that are all in Chrome, that stuff that Chrome has added on top of this underlying. HTML JavaScript conversion thing. So Brave takes the HTML and the conversion, which means that any advances that Google makes in terms of how they create HTML or in terms of the functionality that web pages can have, Brave will automatically inherit that. What Brave does differently, and this is, again, according to my understanding, and I haven't looked into this in deep detail, what Brave does differently is... Um, uh, is, that, is that they don't have all that reporting and that tracking. Part. They they don't phone home to Google and and Google by the way I mean Google's a um, for a company whose motto is don't be evil they do an awful lot of things that to me look like evil from the outside yes and should I should I would you like me to relay the thing I was mentioning about the Google update well yeah well before we get to that I just want to let yeah. you, I want to ask you this question about search engine so I am a big fan of either DuckDuckGo or StartPage my cousin Danny recommended StartPage as well apparently you get all the benefits of Google without Google knowing who you are so what are your thoughts on those private search engines as it happens I use both DuckDuckGo and StartPage too now, my understanding of how StartPage works is StartPage actually takes your query and submits it to Google and gives you back the same results that Google would have given you. Okay. Now, what I don't know, 
I mean, I, I would have imagined that it would cost them money to do that, that they have to have a server somewhere relaying all of these requests. And I know that StartPage, I don't remember which browser, but I used a browser. The way I found out about StartPage was one of my browsers said, oh, you should use StartPage as your default search engine. So if there's a lot of people out there in the world using StartPage, I can't imagine that they aren't paying somehow for access to Google. So what their financial model is, is completely beyond me. But StartPage, if you want to find out your Google results... And then I use DuckDuckGo whenever I can because I want to support the DuckDuckGo organization. DuckDuckGo is explicitly committed to privacy. That's part of their mission. They don't, in my experience, produce as good search results as Google does. But, you know, they produce they produce good enough for a lot of the things I want to do. So I'll usually use a combination. I'll try DuckDuckGo for a few minutes. And if I can't find what I want on DuckDuckGo, I'll switch over to StartPage and use StartPage. Excellent. Okay, so... You, uh, we were now your listener, you're hearing this on August 17th. We recorded this yesterday on August 16th on a Monday. And right before we started, Steve said he went off on Twitter. I, I left Twitter after I saw the, the, um, the social dilemma that would, yeah, Netflix show where if you're not paying for the product, you had a product. So I left Twitter. I probably will never go back, but you were ranting on Twitter about what? I was ranting on Twitter about Apple's new policy of of iOS 15 is going to scan your photos as it uploads them to iCloud. This is assuming that you use the iCloud, uh, you know, the iCloud server to share your photos among your devices. And if it define if it finds any photos that it thinks could be a particular category of illegal content, specifically child pornography, then it will helpfully notify Apple so they can notify the police about you to come and check you out. Now, um, there's a lot that I can rant about with this because on the surface, you know, at at 100,000 feet, if you don't think about it too deeply, you think, okay, well, you know, this is a way to catch child pornography. And by the way, I am absolutely and utterly opposed to child pornography and the exploitation of children. I think that, that the intent of this is, is superb. Like, I'm like, yes, this is, this is great. However, in terms of the execution, I have a few little problems with it. And by little problems, I mean really, really big problems. <laughs> so first of all, uh, we have a thing called the Constitution, and the Constitution has a Fourth Amendment. And the Fourth Amendment says that you are entitled to not have your private spaces rifled through by the authorities without a warrant. And the way you get a warrant is you have probable cause, and you show the probable cause to a judge, and the judge issues you a warrant. I like that system. That amendment was put in place for a reason. It was put in place so that you couldn't have an authoritarian type regime or administration uh, that would decide to go search out things that they could nail you with. And of course, given how large the legal code is these days, virtually anyone has things somewhere in their house or smartphone or whatever that they could be nailed for. I mean, I don't know what those things are, but you know, every lawyer I've ever talked to has said, basically, if, you know, if the justice system is out to get you, they will find some way to get you. Um, so I like the preservation of fourth amendment. Um, I don't, I'm not a big fan of having my technology rifle through my things and decide if it wants to report me to the police. I'm like, no, no, that, that actually is not something that in my mind is compatible with non-authoritarianism. Like that's, that is literally what police states do. That is what 1984 was all about. Mm. So 
just the whole concept I oppose. Now, by the way, this relates exactly to what we were talking about initially, because Google has already been doing this for over a decade. So anyone who says, oh, oh, yeah, 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 if you use Gmail, every message you write on Gmail is not only scanned for marketing AdWords, right? I mean, we all, hopefully we all know that, that the whole reason Google does Gmail is so they can, prof- so they can profile you that much better, right? You're giving them an entire volume of everything you talk about to people with, and that's one of the things they use to decide, you know, to decide what ads to show you. Well, but I they use often- Google Workspace and I, I'm trying to get off it, but I use, I pay for Google Workspace. Are they still, because I don't have any ads on my, on my Gmail. Right. None. Are they still um, looking at my stuff? I, even though I'm a paid customer, I don't know. Okay. I, I simply, I simply don't know. I know if you're not a paid customer, they definitely are. Yes. Um, if you are a paid customer, I don't know. But I would imagine. So the the thing that, independently of analyzing your text for for again for over a decade, I believe, um, at least years, because I remember there was a court case about this in the mid 20 teens. Um, they have been scanning photographic attachments and images looking for child pornography. So if you use Gmail, your Gmail is in fact being scanned for that. So for people who say, oh, Apple's doing this evil thing, switch to Google. Google pioneered the evil (laughs) years before Apple did. It's just that we've kind of come to expect Google to do these privacy invading evil things, or we don't know about it. Um, uh, But anyway, so so I kind of look at this and I go, this is the scanning of people's information, whatever it is, to look for things that we might want to notify the police about. This, to me, is literally like kind of the opposite of what we stand for in America. Furthermore, we say, okay, but it's for a good cause. This is a cause that we all kind of agree is a bad thing. Well, what if we also all agree that something else is a bad thing and Google at some point pops up and says, you know, our ability to scan text and to have an artificial intelligence that can figure out what you mean by the text. Well, we're going to go ahead and use that to, you know, find anyone who we think has the potential to, I don't know, be be un-American. Sure. You know, we can call this the the un-American detection system. And we'll just spot things. If we think there's something problematic, we'll report it to the police. Like, like to me, to me, this is... It's a very slippery slope. It, it, yes, it's a slippery slope. It's the kind of slippery slope that is particularly attractive to people with authoritarian tendencies. And I'm talking about the people who are themselves the authoritarians, the people who want to take control. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, it's warrantless. Like, 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 there's no probable cause needed. In fact, this is the thing they're using to create probable cause so that then they can come and you know, do whatever it is they do next in the process. So number one, my first problem is that just the concept itself, I find to be offensive and anti-American. And again, Google's already been doing this. Um, You know, Facebook, one of the things that I find absolutely hilarious about Facebook is Mark Zuckerberg is always going around going, oh, First Amendment, First Amendment, First Amendment. Facebook doesn't let you send pornography to your friends and pornography is legal. So he's already engaging encounter first amendment censorship like they are already analyzing your content and deciding whether or not they they approve of what you're posting so this notion that somehow they they should be expected to respect political speech when they don't respect intimate speech i'm like sorry doesn't fly with me either you stand for the first amendment and you support the first amendment in all of its incarnations or you just admit 
you're engaging in censorship. So Facebook I, I is already. I want to talk to you about that because yeah. we have a lot of censorship going on in this country. And what I think is scary is I think the most powerful man or the most powerful person in the world is Mark Zuckerberg. Because right now, if you're anti-vax, you're censored. If you're anti-COVID, you're censored. If you're anti the current administration, you're censored. And if he just said, you know what, I'm going to censor the other side and not this side, he could change the trajectory of the world. I don't think people realize how powerful he is. But I want to ask you about instant messengers. Now, I will only instant message people on iMessage or Telegram or Signal. I will not use WhatsApp because they're owned by Facebook. Facebook Messenger, anything you type on there, they're seeing everything. So what are your thoughts in terms of censorship when it comes to instant messaging? Does your to-do list have you overwhelmed? When you join my digital productivity coaching program, you'll learn how to get and stay focused, become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list, experience less overwhelm, and have time to do what you really want to do. Sign up today by clicking the coaching tab at mrproductivity.com. Actually, before we switch topics, I had one more thing I wanted to say about Absolutely. the scanning of, of one's photos. Uh, so first of all is... Um, I think it's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. The second one is they say, oh, you don't have to worry about innocent people being accused because we're going to have human beings look at the pictures to verify them. And I'm like, wait a minute. So what you're telling me is you're going to find pictures you think may be suspect and you're going to let someone else look at my pictures without my permission? Now, again, I don't care whether – whether, like, like what, if the, what, what if their algorithm misidentifies a picture of my grandmother – as a suspect picture. So now they have some person at Apple looking at my picture of my grandmother. Mm. Now, you know, my grandmother, I don't really have, you know, in, in the abstract, I don't have any real problem with someone looking at a picture of my grandmother. But in the general case, I, you know, even if it's to prevent a false positive, I'm not interested in having Apple employees looking through my photo album for whatever their own purposes are. Like, like, you know, what what if they see something else they disapprove of? What if they see a picture that isn't, you know, child pornography? But what if they see a picture that is a picture of like some art T-shirt that has a hammer and sickle on it? And they say, oh, my gosh, this person's a communist. Report them to the Un-American Activities Committee. Mm. You know, like I, I don't actually have an, a hammer and sickle picture, but I could I could upload one and see if it flags it. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, so two problems. One is lack of due process and lack of probable cause. And then two is in their effort to fix the problem of we don't want to catch any, we don't want to catch anyone and claim that it's a positive when it isn't. They're just completely disregarding my privacy and showing people at Apple my pictures. I'm like, neither of those is acceptable. So that's one. Um, regarding instant messenger apps, the only one that I'm aware of that's really been shown to be secure is Signal. Um, uh, iMessages, the Apple messaging system, it's encrypted from end to end. However, when your iCloud backup happens, when your messages get backed up to iCloud, uh, iCloud backups are not encrypted. And Apple knows this and, you know, they have not said one way or another whether they're ever going to encrypt it. But anything you put in iMessages could be read by Apple or could be read by law enforcement if law enforcement serves Apple with a warrant. Uh, and again, it's weird that they serve Apple with the warrant and don't have to serve you with the warrant, because if it were your physical house, they'd have to serve you as, with the warrant. But in any event... Um, so Telegram's not secure? I thought Telegram was encrypted too. So Telegram is encrypted, and the founder of Telegram claims that it's a secure protocol. 
protocol. However, in all of the security stuff that I've read, and I've read a whole bunch of it around instant messaging apps, the it's not known. They've never opened the source code for audit. And one of the primary tenets of security and privacy is that if you don't audit the source code, if you don't open the source code for audit, there's no way to prove there's not backdoors. And even if even if the code was written with a sincere desire to protect privacy, it turns out doing truly secure cryptography is really hard. This is not an easy thing to do. It's very, very easy to leave unbelievably obscure bugs, but the kind of bugs that would in fact allow somebody to figure out how to reverse engineer your messages. Um, and I'm not going to go into all the technical terminology because there's no need to, but suffice to say the fact that Telegram won't reveal their encryption techniques and won't put them up for public audit by the security community uh, is itself considered problematic enough that I wouldn't trust the Telegram source code. That is very interesting. Yeah. The signal source code is public and has been put through, you know, major public audit. Um, And WhatsApp does use the signal protocol. So WhatsApp is secure in the sense of being encrypted. Now, the problem with with that, and I just found this out um, last week. Boy, I I wish I had known we were going to be talking about this. I probably would have made an effort to write down some of my sources here. But I was reading something having to do with with state-of-the-art cryptography. And Facebook is trying to develop algorithms that will let them detect certain things about conversations, even though the conversations are encrypted. And again, with the idea of profiling you and targeting ads to you. And uh, the the thing I was reading said, you know, it's really, really, really hard to deduce something about an encrypted conversation without finding a way to decrypt it. Mm -hmm. However, I'm like the very fact they're trying so hard. I'm just like, you know, I'm just not interested in them trying that hard. I'm interested in a company that tries hard to protect its users' privacy, not a company that tries to break and circumvent its users' privacy. Now, I heard the story that the founders of WhatsApp, once they sold to the Mark Zuckerberg empire, when they left, people go, they didn't like the direction Facebook was taking to WhatsApp. And so at that point, I deleted WhatsApp. I don't trust it because it's yep. owned by Facebook. And Facebook, like people say, oh, I love Facebook Messenger. I'm like, why are you on Facebook Messenger? Are you kidding me? Every character you type on Facebook Messenger it's captured. They know what you're typing. I, I, I hate the Facebook messenger so much. I got some of my family members upset. I deleted it from my phone. I don't want it on my phone. I, I do not trust Mark Zuckerberg at all. Oh yeah. Well, signal signal is funded by one of the WhatsApp founders. Oh really? Okay. Yes. And, and it was, and he's funding it. He started funding it specifically in opposition to the direction that Facebook was trying to take WhatsApp. And by the way, it's only because of the terms of the WhatsApp acquisition that Facebook doesn't just magically have access to all of the encrypted messages on WhatsApp. I mean, oh, okay. that was a condition of the sale was that Facebook would not decrypt those, uh, the conversations. And of course, what Facebook has done everything possible in their power is, is they've done everything they could to figure out what they can deduce about you except for decrypting. So all of your metadata, for example, if you don't know this, starting back in February of this year, your metadata, who you're connecting to and so on. Facebook is using that for targeting. And um, I don't remember exactly what information, but they explain, but in order to keep using WhatsApp after, after February of 2021, you had to agree. 
And I, I must have been metadata. It couldn't possibly have been conversation content because that would have subject, you know, that would have run up against the encryption thing. But maybe it was the metadata that they can actually, that they can actively and explicitly sell that metadata to companies uh, if what you're talking to is a business um, or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but basically it was, it, it, it was, we're going, it was, we're going to monetize what you're saying on WhatsApp in some fashion. And my reaction is no, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want that. You know. I, I'm still rocked to the core about iMessage because I thought because Apple's core thing is, you know, it's all about privacy and I do use iCloud backup. And now you got me thinking about that. I think with the re-download signal, because based on what you said, they've been audited and you can trust them a lot more. Uh, let's talk about, let's talk about, you know, where we sur- where we um, store our files. Now, for the longest time I used iCloud Drive and then when I went to Google Workspace, I have to write down the names down here, Google Workspace, I moved everything over there. And I'm like, what are you doing? So then I decided to go back to Dropbox. Apparently, Dropbox is the most secure. Is that true? Uh, this I haven't investigated in great length. Um, I, from, from what I have heard just kind of around, Dropbox is the most secure. Uh, however, I don't know if what I hear around is authoritative <laughs> or not. What I use, so uh, I do use Dropbox for things, uh, and I use my hard drive for things. Anything that has information that I consider sensitive, financial information, my social security number, etc., I store that encrypted even on my hard drive. So that's just that's always encrypted. I also use Cryptomator, C R Y P T O M A T O R. Cryptomator lets you create an encrypted drive, which can be opened only with a passcode that you know. It encrypts it on your machine, so the whatever it is that's stored in a Cryptomator drive is never seen in is never sent over any network anywhere in clear text. And uh, I use Cryptomator for a lot of sensitive stuff, and it's specifically designed so that you can create a Cryptomator drive in Dropbox or in some other cloud service. And it's optimized so that it's, it's not going to cause excessive uploads and downloads and things. It's, it's very nicely done. And, um, it, it still has a few problems with big Sur, the latest Mac operating system, but I know they're actively working on that and, and there are workarounds. I mean, I've, uh, yeah. So basically I use Cryptomator to store anything that I consider sensitive. That's going to go anywhere into the cloud and, Half the time I use it on my local hard drive as well to store anything that's that's uh, potentially sensitive because, you know, again, it, it's weird, but somehow devices that were productivity devices 15 years ago have become these bizarre surveillance devices. And I'm really not interested in or excited about that. You know, there are way better ways for us to be using our technology. And, you know, you mentioned Mark Zuckerberg before. One of the things that just blows my mind about Facebook is they spend all of this time and effort doing psychological profiling and figuring out how to deduce from your timeline what mood you're in so they can sell you crap. Mm-hmm. I hope the crap is an acceptable word. No, crap um, is acceptable. <laughs> awesome. Um, however, what they could be doing with all of that wonderful technology is let's say they detect that you're lonely. Instead of trying to sell you something, they could just say, you know, we have five people who we've detected are lonely, and we have psychological profiles of all of them, because that's the only thing we spend our time doing, and we actually think you'd be compatible with this one other person, so why don't you just meet this person that we're going to suggest as a friend, and maybe the two of you will be less lonely. Like, we could actually use this technology to do good, but what amazes me is not only are we not using it to do good, there's not even any conversation about it. 
I'm the only person I've ever heard propose that we use the Facebook profiling engine to solve people's problems instead of selling them ads. I've never heard somebody say that. And I've never heard anyone from Facebook say that. So I look I've never at this, heard anybody say it either. Yeah. So I'm looking at this going, going, why is it? Uh, and I don't know what it is. Is it human nature that we build tools and then use them only for evil or neutral? But it sure is discouraging because because we have a lot of good that we could be doing in the world that we're just missing out on the opportunity. You know, I was um, I was talking to somebody earlier this morning about about the creation of community and reaching out to people and how you know people are lonely and all this stuff. And I'm sitting here thinking, I don't get it. Like we literally have the infrastructure in place to introduce people to people with like interests, to serve as conversation starters. You know, people A-B test, you know, which one of these two web pages convinces somebody to buy something they don't need. Why don't we A-B test? How do we help two people who have never met in person, whose only communication is electronic, how do we help them create a deep, satisfying relationship that turns into a high-quality offline, offline connection? We could do that. We could A-B test for that, but we don't. We don't even talk about A-B testing for that. We don't even think about A-B testing for that. What do you say you to know? the person who is listening to this conversation and going, Stever, you're just paranoid. They're not out to get you, uh, but they are. So what do you say to someone like that? Hey, you listening to the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Stuchowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter, and you can sign up right now by going to MrProductivity.com. M-I-S-T-E-R, MrProductivity.com. They are. I mean, if if the person who says that, and I'm going to be really, uh, you know, really woke here, if the person who says that is a straight white male, they are probably correct. In their experience, no one is ever out to get them, which is true because because the only time straight white males are the target, other than in ineffectual social justice virtue signaling, um, the only the only time that straight white males are the target is when they actually have done something criminal. The rest of the time you know, they're the dominant group. But I just spent the last uh, over a year working with uh, certain underrepresented minorities around issues of, you know, um, boy, I really don't want to use politically loaded words, but I'll, I'll call it systemic. I don't want to say systemic oppression, I'll say systemic lack of opportunity. So for example, there are certain ethnicities that, that if you take a look at the way that banks treat them, they tend to they tend to have standards differentially applied. And there are some very good reasons for this in terms of their financial situation, right? Like, so I, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about poverty versus non-poverty for a second. So, um, so people who are poverty, who, who are in poverty have a tremendous difficulty getting out of it because among other things, things like having to buy uh, produce in small quantities is much more expensive than being able to buy in bulk. However, if you can't afford to buy in bulk, then you end up paying more just for the, your daily living needs. If you want to apply for a bank loan and you don't have much money and you are poverty stricken, you're going to end up paying a higher interest rate, which of course is going to keep you in poverty because you're now paying, you're now paying much more for the privilege of using a bank than someone else would. Um, I actually was on, I was on a conference call where Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JP Morgan Chase was talking and somebody asked him about predatory uh, predatory interest rates and overdraft fees. 
And don't those disproportionately affect poor communities? And by the way, poor communities are disproportionately underrepresented minorities. And this that's what the topic of this presentation was, was underrepresented minorities. And so this person submitted an anonymous question, and they, which, you know, I, like I remember the question to this day. Uh, and they said, um, if your goal is to help underrepresented minorities, why do you continue to charge cash overdraft fees, which you know, are literally a noticeable percentage of their weekly income and thus are one of the things keeping these people from being able to establish a solid financial footing. And his response, which absolutely blew me out of the water, can be summarized as, well, you know what? At least they're not as as regressive as payday loans. And I have two things to say to that. One is when you're using payday loans as your hurdle for for the services you're providing for people, that's a pretty darn low bar. But number two, it's factually incorrect. If you calculate the interest rate that JP Morgan Chase is charging you on a one-day overdraft on a dollar, it makes a payday loan look like the bargain of the century. Mm. So, you know, when I so so as I've been exposed to things like that, I've started to realize uh, you and I, both being white males. There are forms of oppression that you and I have literally just never seen. It's never happened to us or to probably almost anyone we know. Um, so when you say, I have nothing to hide, or when somebody says, I have nothing to hide, etc., what I say is neither did Muslims prior to 9-11. Neither did Jews in the 1920s. I happen to uh, I happen to be Jewish, and I had ancestors, you know, who proudly put their name on their synagogue wall, you know, in Poland. And let's just say that didn't end very well. So while it's easy to say I have nothing to hide, what you mean is I have nothing to hide given that I am currently one of the group that is not being gone after by someone. But, you know, let's say let's say that, you know, Gen Z is currently blaming millennials for all the problems in the world. Millennials, of course, are blaming Gen X and and boomers. Um, I'm going to guess that you and I are both Gen X or above. And. What if they someday decide, oh, you know what? People who are older than 40, we should just dispense with them because they screwed everything up. And let's say there are enough young people in power to implement that policy. Suddenly you have something to hide. And, you know, you 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 can't – this is the reason we have laws and this is the reason that we have a constitution and this is the reason that we have rights that we guarantee to everyone – is because we want to say, you know what, we do, in order for our society to function, there have to be things we can take for granted. There has to be a playing field that we can use. So, you know, when when privacy becomes the thing that people say, do you have anything to hide? It, here's my response. And this is only my response to people who are really attractive, is great, then I'm going to mount a webcam in your bedroom because you're attractive and I want to watch you have sex. And they'll say, no. And I'll say, but, but you have nothing to hide. I don't understand. And what people confuse is they confuse the, the, they confuse the concept of privacy with the concept of like legal or something. I don't, I don't know exactly, but basically it's not necessarily about having something to hide. It's about the fact that human beings have a need to be able to have multiple faces. They show one of them is a social face. One of them is a private face. One of them is a face you show your spouse, etc. And, and that's really essential to mental health. Um, you know, and if you go talk to people who live in oppressive regimes where everything is spied upon, they'll tell you it's pretty darn stressful. Mm. And 
that well, for me. I just want to interject here because yeah. so you can take a breath there. You you went off on a, a really good <laughs> yeah, uh, rant. No, you got no, me started. No, no apologies. But like right now in the United States, you know, we have the vaxxers versus the anti-vaxxers. We have, you know, people going, you know, well, everyone should get vaxxed because it's for the common good. And then you have the people going, wait a minute. But if I get it, I have a 98.8% chance of recovery. And so that's not has anything to do with race. A lot of those white people, conservative people are like, you know, 98.87, I'm going to take my chance. And so I think that this whole thing that you just talked about, which you did very well, you laid it out very well. Now it's crossing over, it's getting off the, the race train, if you will, for lack of a better term. Now it's like, it's almost like the powers that be want divisiveness in this country. And that's why I think people are craving privacy. They want to be able to search for stuff without being tracked. They want to be able to communicate with their friends around the world without being tracked or being snooped upon. And I think that there's, it's a good opportunity for companies like Signal. And I, I like the thing Telegram just because they won't share. I got to believe that they're a good company, you know, but you got to be careful who, you, what you're dealing with because people are thinking, Hey, it's on my iPhone. Well, it's on my iPhone. So I'm in control of it, but you may not. When's the last time you've gone into your settings under privacy on your phone like I have this thing about app with uh, Facebook that whenever I share a picture on Facebook, I have to go add the picture. So I won't let all have access to all my pictures, only the picture I want. I remove access to the other pictures and people go, why do you care? I'm like, because it's just, it gives me a sense of, a sense of relief to knowing that yes, that other pictures already on Facebook, but now they don't have access to it on my role. I'm a camera roll. It's a small thing, but it brings comfort to me. What it, what it really does or not, I don't know, but it makes me feel better. Well, you know, remember, pre-smartphones, we have wiretapping laws in this country. We have a lot of, we have plenty of laws against surveillance. It's just the justice system and the legal system hasn't caught up with the new forms of communication. And to people, to people who say, oh, you know, I have nothing to hide. Why do you care about privacy? Great. Let me tap your phone. And here's, here's a funny way to put it to people. And, and it, it always, I just find it hilarious that, that I, I find this hilarious. So go up to somebody and say, you know, I have an idea for a new product. And what I want to do is uh, I want to look through your phone and I want to look at all your pictures and I want to look at all of your email and you know what, and any documents you have stored there too. Um, and by the way, maybe rifle through your music collection to see what kind of music you listen to. And then I'm going to go ahead and create a profile of you. Now, I promise I won't use it mostly for anything other than uh, than finding uh, people to do business with. Um, uh, how much would you charge me for me to be allowed to read all of your email and look at all your pictures? What would you what, what would I have to pay you in order to get that? And by the way, again, you have no control or insight into how I'm going to use what I find. Most people if they agreed to that at all, would say thousands of dollars. And I'm like, wrong. You'll do it for free for a convenient email account. <laughs> you know, you'll, you, you, you'll do it. You'll do it so you can run a web search. And, you know, but only because it's not being framed as that, you know, don't think of Google as a convenient tool. Think of Google as something that is violating your privacy at every step of the way in every way they can. Oh, and by the way, occasionally they'll let you do a search. And for those of you who don't know, by the way, one of Google's more, um, you know, uh, 
evil yet strategically brilliant moves is they provide all of these website tools. They provide things like Google Fonts. They provide things like Google Analytics, which are tools for webmasters. So you, as someone who surfs the web, you don't even really know that these tools exist because the webmasters are using them to figure out which pages are most visited, etc. However, Every time you visit a page on a website that uses Google Analytics, it goes back to Google and says, hey, Mark is here on this page. You know, it's, it, it gives the webmaster all that fun, wonderful Google Analytics information. So the webmaster is thinking, wow, Google Analytics is great. Meanwhile, Google Analytics is tracking every person who visits a website that uses Google Analytics. Facebook does this with the Facebook like button. Every time, and again, you don't have to click the button. The very fact the button shows up on somebody's website means Facebook has already been contacted in order to get the button. And, excuse me, and they've got a cookie on your browser that says, Mark just visited this particular page. Whether you liked it or not, doesn't matter. It now knows you visited there. That's one of the reasons that I use an ad blocker uh, and, I, and Firefox, which uh, mm-hmm. I use a thing on Firefox called multi-containers. And there is a, another add-in, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's like Facebook container, which every time something wants to get fetched from Facebook, it does it in this special kind of sandboxed thing. So Facebook can't actually tell what I'm doing. But it's just amazing. The I, I encourage people to go out and watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix. It will it will rock your world because the line that has been rattling around my brain since I saw it was if you're not paying for the product, Facebook, Instagram, Google, you are the product. And, uh, that is, you know, that is, that is so scary. And at the same time, you know, you brought up a good point. You know, I use Google analytics because I want to know what my customers are doing, but I never thought of it that, Hey, it's free because Google is getting something out of it. It, Mark Zuckerberg got caught what, a year or two ago in 2019 or whatever of selling people's information and making hundreds of millions of dollars. And so I am probably not Mark Zuckerberg's fan because I never look at my timeline. All I do on Facebook and Instagram is post. I never read anything. So it doesn't matter yeah. what they serve up me in my feed. I never go to my feed ever. I just post and I leave. I want you to go to my website. Okay. I want you to get in my email list. I want you to listen to my podcast. So I, but he doesn't care. I'm one person who he doesn't care about Mark's two chest. By the way, in fact, he loves that you do that because every time you post, you're keeping other people engaged with the platform. And every time you post that someone is reading, you're giving him ad space because your post is creating other people's timelines which produces ad inventory space for him. I mean, that's that, that's the, again, if I take the morality and the ethics of this out of it, it, it's really kind of a brilliant design. I mean, social media is designed to have your friends tell on you. So back when Facebook first started doing facial recognition in pictures about 10 years ago, you used to be able to have a setting that said, do not do facial recognition on me. Mm-hmm. So if someone tags me in a picture, don't store the facial recognition data. They changed that very quietly uh, to don't display the facial recognition data because what they realized was, hey, Stever's friends will tag him in pictures so we can build a facial recognition profile of what Stever looks like without his permission or his consent. And his friends will do all the work thinking that they're doing him a favor by tagging him. And even if he untags himself, well, you know what? We've already got the profile. Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, um, I mean, it literally is 
is we have all of the infrastructure to put in place a restrictive authoritarian regime on the level, almost on the level of China. So I think China's a little bit ahead of us, but not, not that far ahead of us. So listener, how do you feel now? <laughs> you that's feel- <laughs> right. Can't we talk about something like butterfly? Oh, that's right. They're going extinct because of global warming. Damn oh, it. Okay. Goodness. There must be, there must be something we can talk about. <laughs> well, listen, I'm looking out my window right now. It's sun outside and, and I cut my grass yesterday. So the lawn looks nice. Uh, so yeah, there's some good things for you, <laughs> but no, this stuff is reality. That's why I wanted to have Steve back because you're going on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all these other apps and TikTok, whatever. And you're just thinking, I'm just having fun, but you're, it's free. Remember, go your homework assignment, dear listener, go watch the social dilemma on Netflix, go watch it today. And you will understand what Steve is talking about. Get off of Facebook messenger. I know your family's going to cry. Boo hoo. Get off of Facebook. Go to, go to signal, go to telegram, go to some app, Use an app like uh, Brave instead of Chrome. You can do small things like Steve talked about during the show today to protect yourself because they are watching. So, Steve, uh, yeah. any last thoughts before we wrap up today? Absolutely. You know, anyone who's afraid their social life is going to fall apart if they leave Facebook or that they're going to never see their relatives again, learn to use a telephone, for goodness sake. They they worked perfectly for a hundred years. And you know what? People had social lives. They had families. They kept in touch. It's really not, you know, like, okay, I understand you're lazy, but that's a different problem. (laughs) You know, just pick up the phone and call someone. I know it's not done anymore, but the reason it's not done anymore is we've been conditioned to use all of these privacy-destroying surveillance machines. Mm -hmm. But not only can you still pick up the phone and call grandma, that speech is protected by wiretapping laws. Whereas the stuff you do on your smartphone isn't. So there's a double bonus to picking up the phone and calling grandma. So where can we go find out what Steve Robbins is doing in the world? Oh gosh, that's a really good question. Uh, you can certainly check out my website, which I've been trying to update, but there's a problem with the back end, so I can't change any of the text, which is steverobbins.com. Probably the best way to do it at the moment is to connect to me on LinkedIn, which is, uh, I'm just linkedin.com slash in slash Stever. And um, yeah, I'm going to be doing something new and different very soon. I'm just not completely sure what the time frame is, um, but it, it will be happening. Excellent. Well, Steve, I was so delighted you were on my episode 780, and I'm so excited you were back on the episode because if nothing else, when people listen to the episode, they got to be thinking. I mean, if nothing else, whether you agree with them or don't agree with them, do your own research, but goodness sakes, you got to be thinking. He's got to have those warriors in your head going, yeah, I need to think into that. So, Steve, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolute delight having you back. My pleasure. And next time, let's talk about something more cheerful. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me, Mark. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up, absolutely free. Just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.